fighting your greatest enemy. The prophecy spoken over your life is the potential. What's the potential? potential? Well, the word potential is ability or capacity to develop into something in the future. Potential is the ability or the capacity to develop into something in the future. So it is possible that some people may not develop into what God wants them to develop into. The fact that a prophetic word was given to you is no guarantee that a prophetic word will come to fruition. You heard me over and over tell you that there are things that you must do. So potential is the ability or capacity. That was ability? ability. Say capacity. capacity. The ability or the capacity to develop into something in the future. So that prophecy that's been spoken over you is the capacity, the ability to develop into something in the future. But it's no guarantee that it's going to come to pass. Because there are things that must be done. That one said must be done. There are things that must be done for you to see the potential that God has placed in, on the inside of you, the capacity that God has given to you, come to fruition. So it's potential. Like you've heard me say over and over again, I know that this is not something we can overstate because people need to keep hearing this because the more you hear it, the more you get an understanding of it. Every man here, Every young man, everybody here, you have the potential to develop six packs. Everyone. Everybody here can do that. Girls shouldn't. Guys should. You do have the potential, but not everyone will. Will everybody develop six packs? No. But does everyone have the potential to? Absolutely. The potential is there. Everyone have the potential to be smart. And if you are smart, you're going to make right choices. Smart choices. But does everyone make smart choices? No. Why? Because not everybody has developed the potential. They say, they say reading does to the mind what exercise do to the body. Let me say that again. Reading does to the mind what exercise do to the body. In other words, the more you read, the more you exercise your mental potential and capacity. And the more you exercise your mental capacity and potential, the more you grow intellectually. Correct? Yes. Have you seen some people that act dumb? They act dumb not because they should be dumb. They act dumb because they have refused to do what it takes to improve their mental capacity. But everyone can improve. 
Whether you come from the village, whether you've gone through school or not, you can improve. What I'm saying in essence is, even if you've not gone through school, it's not late. Come on now, say amen. amen. The former president of Nigeria got his PhD, I think at the age of 75 or 80. So no, it is not late to study. It's not late to read. It is not late to improve your mental capacity. It's not late to learn how to do things. I'm talking about practical things. Life is also very practical, my friends. You talk to some people, and sorry, I'm not, this message is not designed to beat anyone up or to talk down at anybody, but sometimes you talk to some people, you can see they don't know anything. I don't know the kind of training they got from home. But even if you did not get the right training at home, you can still do something. You can't come to this church and listen to the stuff that we talk about and not apply them in your personal life. Last week, I talked about the need to read books. I said some of you, since you finished high school or university, you've never read another book. And I advertised three books. And I asked, who won these books? Hey, give it to me. I said, it's not for free. Because have you realized a lot of times that when something is given to you for free, you don't value it. But when you pay a price for it, you see, I spent money to get that. Therefore, I need to use it. Correct? Yes. I mean, I felt, I felt last week, maybe just give these books to them for free and pay for it. But I said, no, I held back. I almost wanted to give those books out. Each book costs 100 lira. I wanted to just say, bless you, 100 lira, 100 lira, 100, that's 300. I would have done it. But I said, no, I'm not going to do it. Let them invest. Let them invest into it. And you know, since then, since last week that I talked about those books, only one person came to me in the entire church. <laughs> Okay. The prophecy spoken over your life is the potential. I want to say potential. potential. Is the potential you have to get to the top. But the things you do are the building blocks needed to construct the dream. Should I say that again? The prophecy spoken over your life is the potential you need to get to the top. But the things you do are the building blocks that builds the dream. In other words, there are things that the man must do to build his life. It is like a builder. They begin from the foundation and then they begin to put brick upon brick. It might take six months. It might take a year. It might take... Two years, depending on the plan of the, of the project. But however it takes, the building gets to completion. And you say, that is a beautiful house. Is that correct? If you want your house to be beautiful, there are things that you must do. To build it to your taste. To your taste. To your taste. Come on now, say amen. amen. 
And if God has spoken a vision over your life, you've got to begin to do what it takes. In other words, begin to put brick upon brick to build that house to your taste. It does not have to be to the taste of your friend. It doesn't have to be to the taste of the guy sitting beside you. But it has to be to your taste based on what God told you. Can someone say amen? amen. I want to show you in this message today three men. I want to say three men. Three men with awesome potentialities. Awesome abilities. But they ruined things with their own hands. I pray you shall not ruin anything. God, amen, is very weak. Amen. In the book of Judges, chapter 13, the prophecy of Samson's life was revealed before he was conceived. The angel of the Lord had come to his mother. The mother was barren, by the way. The angel of the Lord came to his mother, and the angel of the Lord told the mother what will happen. And she got excited and ran to her husband and told her husband what the angel of the Lord had told her. A husband ran to the angel of the Lord. They both got there. And a husband asked the angel of the Lord, did you speak to this woman? And the angel of the Lord said, yes, I spoke to her. What is the plan of God for this, for this boy you talked about? Well, this, 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 this are the things that needs to be done. The boy will be a Nazarite from his mother's womb. So we see that in that conversation, detailed instructions were given about the life of Samson. How he was going to live his life. He was going to be a Nazarite. And when Samson was born... He became a terror to the Philistines. The Bible tells us, as you read the account of Samson, the Bible tells us that he killed a lion with his bare hands. How many of you have tried it before? <laughs> he lifted the gate of a city on his shoulder and walked 46 miles. Now, the Bible does not say he lifted the door of a house. He said he lifted the gate of the city. And carried it up the mountain. 46 miles he walked. The man was so strong he killed 300 Philistines with a jawbone. 300 Philistines with a jawbone. What, what, if, he, what if he had a, a spear or, or, or an arrow? Just with a jawbone. What if he had a sword? So we can actually say when we read the life of Samson that the man was literally indestructible. There was nothing any human could do to him. Nobody could hurt Samson. Even if there were 20,000 Philistines, there was nothing they could do to the man. <laughs> that's how anointed, that's how powerful the man was. So now the question is, if 20,000 soldiers could not defeat Samson, what defeated Samson? Or who defeated Samson? What caused the fall 
of this man with great ability, great potential, great vision, great prophecy. What caused the fall of this man with all of these great things that God had said about him? Even before he was conceived, God had a plan for his life. Reminds me of Jeremiah. Before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. Can I tell you that before you were conceived, God knew you. You may not realize it, but I'm telling you right now, based on the word of God, before your mother conceived you, God knew you, and God already had a plan for your life. Amen. Hallelujah. So this man was literally indestructible. There was nothing any man could do to Samson. So the question is, who killed him then? Was he killed by Delilah? Was he killed by the Philistines? Listen, a man can be his biggest enemy. A man can be his greatest foe. What an enemy cannot do to a man, a man will do to himself. I remember this was several months ago. I was in a taxi. And I picked the taxi from here. And I was heading home. And the taxi driver, the Turkish taxi man, began to tell me of his frustration with cigarette. He said to me, I mean, I could tell the man was frustrated. He wanted to, if he had a way to give up smoking cigarette, he would. And as he was driving, he began to tell me how he smokes 800 lira worth of cigarette every month. And I thought to myself, 800 lira is somebody's house rent. He was just a taxi driver. How much was he making? If he smoked 800 lira worth of cigarettes from his paycheck, how much was he taking home? I could see the frustration. I could, I could tell this man would love to stop. But he was bound. What the enemy cannot do to a man, a man would do to himself. And I know we live in such a time where people tend to blame the devil for everything. But no, it's time that people must take responsibility for the choices that they make. Let me show my friends that I belong. And you start smoking. And you show your friends you belong. And before you know it, you're smoking five packs every day. Before you know it, you are addicted. Before you know it, I heard a story of somebody who became schizophrenic just because he hung out with his friends. And yeah. Weed. Weed. But my friends do it. You may not come out of it. So I need to show them that I am also. Ah, you may not come out when you do it for the, very, for the very first time. What the devil would not do to a man, a man would do to himself. A man of God was asking God in prayer, Lord, show me the devil that's attacking my finance. And the Lord told him to go stand in front of a mirror. 
And when he stood in front of the mirror, he saw the devil. He was the devil that was attacking his money. Come on, I'm preaching good. Say amen. amen. No, I said I want to talk to you today. Is it okay if I talk to you? Because a lot of times people blame. You blame the economy. You blame your patron or your boss. You blame your father. You blame your mother. You blame your whoever. But no, it's not them. It's you. Take responsibility for how you spend your money. Come on now. Take responsibility for how you use that credit card. Take responsibility for how you buy stuff that you know you don't need, but because your girlfriend has it, you want to get it too. Come on, I'm preaching good. Take responsibility because when you start paying, you realize that you are not even able to pay the exact money. Instead, you're paying the uh, interest. Take responsibility. Tell somebody, take responsibility. Take responsibility for sleeping all day long and think, and then at the end of the month you wonder why you don't have uh, your, your rent money. Take responsibility for that. What? It's not the devil, my friend. It's you that wants to sleep. It's you that loves sleep. You've got to say, I love sleep and I want to stop that. And until you face it honestly, you cannot come out of it. Come on now, say amen. See, look at Samson. This man with amazing potential. This man with such supernatural strength that even 10,000 Philistine army could not defeat him. But he went and slept on the laps of a woman. He was playing around. You play with fire, you're going to get burned. Fact. He himself... Delivered himself to the Philistines. Do you not love me? If you love me, you tell me where your power lies. If you love me, you tell me where your strength lies. And so Samson began to lie. When you study this event of Samson, Samson's life, he began to lie to Delilah. And even when you look at his life, you see that Delilah was not the first woman. But Delilah was the last one that took him out. Come on, I'm preaching good. Say amen. amen. You run around, you jump around. One is going to take you out. It's biblical. One is going to take you out. You are not indestructible. As you think. Samson thought, well, nothing will touch me. Nothing will harm me. No evil will come upon me. Well, don't you see that I'm supernatural? Because the anointing of God was upon him. He had a special prophecy spoken over his life. But he began to toy with sin. Began to toy with lies. If you bind me with ropes that's not been used. I'll become as weak as every man. He was bound with ropes that is, that's not been used. And Delilah said, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he got up and he broke the ropes. And Delilah said, you say you love me, but you lie. And then Samson decided to tell the truth. The whole truth. And nothing but the truth. <laughs> he told the entire truth. 
When you see people who come around you and they start pressuring you to find out your secret. Be careful with people like that. His life promised so much, but his life delivered so little. Proverbs 19.3, look at what it says. The foolishness of a man twists his way, and his heart frets against the Lord. That is New King James Version. I want to read it from the message. Proverbs 19.3. People ruin their own lives by their own stupidity. So why does God always get blamed? That's the Bible. In the Amplified Classic, it, it goes like this. The foolishness of, of man subverts his way, ruins his affairs. Then his heart is resentful and frets against God. God takes the blame, man, for even things that he does not do. Is that correct? You look at some people, they spend years ruining their lives, and when they come to God, they want God to fix them in one month. And can I tell you, it don't happen like that. It's going to take a while. Tell somebody it's going to take a while. It will take a while. It will take some time. God does not just fix everything. Oh yeah, the sin is forgiven, praise God. Correct? Yes, it is forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed your iniquity from you. He throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. But Galatians chapter 6 cannot be erased. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Whatsoever. See, when you read that in context, understand that's not just about... It, it, actually, when you read that, you realize that it's not referring to money. Not referring to money. But we do use that because we understand the principle of sowing and reaping. So we can say whatever a man soweth, even financially, materially, that's what the man is going to what? Reap. But, but you've got to understand, it says that don't be deceived, God's not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that he shall also what? Reap. It continues by saying, he that sows into the flesh will from the flesh reap what? Corruption. But he that sows into the spirit will from the spirit reap what? Life everlasting or eternal life. So there is sowing and what? And there is reaping. So you see people, they, they come to church. They spend five years, ten years. They're just messing up everything. And then they come to God and they repent. Yes, God forgives them. But there is a process. I won't say there is a process. There is a process of renewing the mind. There's a process of getting out of that way of thinking. Because until you get out of that way of thinking, your life never changes. Come on now, there are mindsets. There are mentalities. If you got yourself into financial mess... I, I, I would pray that God does not bring you out overnight. You know why? Because even if he brings you out overnight, you're going to get back into financial mess again. You know why? Because it's a way of thinking. Poverty, listen to what I'm about to say. Poverty, poverty, it's not just a lack of 
financial resources. There are many that are poor, that are, sorry, there are many that are financially buoyant or financially well off, yet they are still poor. Because it's a mindset. It's a mindset. Poverty, it's a mentality. And it is a spirit. So having a lot of money does not mean you are rich. Because God despises what you call riches when you are not rich towards God. But there are people with resources, but they cannot spend it. Is that correct? Yes. Honestly, let's, re- let's talk about that. There are people with money, but they don't spend the money. They can, they can buy the best, but they don't want to buy. They don't want to do it. They are so afraid to spend money. Now, no, I'm not talking about being judicious. I'm not talking about being frugal in spending. I'm just talking about some people just don't want to spend their money. They are afraid to spend money. That's a poverty mentality. That's a poverty mentality. Oh my God. Many years ago, I was telling the staff this a few weeks ago. Many years ago, we had somebody. Oh my God. Every time you open the offering envelope, every time, it was $20. Every single time. So whenever you see the name, don't even think it's $20. Don't even, <laughs> it's, it's $20. 20 what? Dollars. And, and I'm talking about a very wealthy person. Very, when I say very wealthy, trust me when I tell you that. Not this, I have one house here. No, no. I'm talking about wealth. $20 in all the offerings. Poverty is a mentality. It's not all the stuff you possess uh, materially. It's how you use what you possess. Some people are afraid to spend what they have. It was given to you by God in the first place. The God who gave you the ones you have now will give you another. Come on now. I'm preaching good. Say amen. Amen. Oh my God. When the enemies try in vain to kill you. They lie in wait and allow you to kill yourself. By your own actions. Did you get that? When the enemy try in vain to kill you, they lie in wait and they watch how you destroy your own life with your own actions. That is Samson. Let's look at David. David was one of the greatest kings that ruled the nation of Israel. In actual fact, he is still considered today as the greatest king Israel ever had. He was an extreme worshiper. He would worship and the presence of God would come. Is that correct? David was known as the man after the heart of God. He was the one who killed Goliath. He was the one who said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That defied the God of Israel. And when they heard David speak. They went in and told King Saul. That there is this young boy. 
He says he can take this man. What? Bring him here. So here comes little David. David comes into the presence of King Saul. And Saul said, what did I hear you say? I take, I'll take him out for you. Because all the, all the Israelites, the army, they were running scared like, like a chicken with his head chopped off. They were afraid when Goliath would come out, the champion of the Philistines would come out and would defy the name of God and would speak pompously. Everyone ran, even Saul the king. <laughs> and David was angry. You know this holy anger, this holy indignation where you say, who do you think you are? To speak of our God like this. So he said, let me go. Let me, let me represent the people of God. Everyone say, amen. amen. And David said, I'll go. And you know what King Saul did? King Saul put his armor upon David. And David tried to move. And it was too heavy. And David said, no, I don't need this. I know what I use. The lion came, I killed it. The bear came, I killed it. Just leave me. Let me do what I've always done. Come on now, say amen. amen. Let me do what I've always done. So he goes to the brook. Everyone said to the brook. And he finds himself five smooth stones. Everyone say five. 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 He found five smooth stones. And he put them in his pouch. And he came before Goliath. The Bible says Goliath had been a warrior from his youth. I mean, when you read the description of Goliath, even the armor bearer was carrying some of his, his stuff. The man was big. Amen. But praise God, this was a big enemy. Because when an enemy is that big, then the target is easy. Uh, some of you might get that next week. When the enemy standing before you is big, then that enemy is, is, an, is an easy target. Is that correct? But think about what David was coming with. David was coming with rocks. So when Goliath saw David coming to him with stones and a sling, Goliath said, are you coming to me with stones as if I'm a dog? And the more Goliath spoke to David, the more David ran towards him. You talk about confronting the enemy. You talk about facing that problem head on. You talk about not running away from that thing that has come against your life. David had such boldness. Why? Because his boldness was in God. Amen. David had such faith because he knew the God that he served. Amen. Come on now, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So he ran after Goliath. In actual fact, ran towards Goliath, I should say. And when Goliath saw that David ran towards him, Goliath realized this cannot be normal. There's something about this boy. And Goliath realized that this thing has turned spiritual. And the Bible says he began to curse David with the name of his gods. But David also kept speaking the name of his God. Amen. And said, they said, he said, the Lord will give you to me. Amen. And I will cut off your head. Amen. Can someone shout hallelujah? hallelujah. And, and he, he, he threw that one stone. And I believe the Holy Ghost grabbed a hold of that stone and, and, and sent it right into the forehead of Goliath. And he 
sunk in. Can someone say amen? amen. And it's, have you ever seen stones sinking into someone's head? No, no. It you hit and fall, but it went in. And Goliath, boom. I mean, you can imagine the earthquake that took place when Goliath, <laughs> when Goliath touched, the, touched the ground. And David jumped on him and cut off his head. This is the man who brought the glory of God into the city of David. Come on now, say amen. amen. This is the man who worshipped and when he played his harp, the presence of God showed up and an evil spirit that was tormenting King Saul would leave. But look at 2 Samuel chapter 11 verse number 1. And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle. That David sent Joab. Now listen to this carefully. This is going to help you. David sent who? No, David was not supposed to send Joab. Joab was the captain of the army. David as the king was supposed to lead the battle. You are not a king. You are not a ceremonial king. You don't just sit on the throne. No, when it is time to fight, you lead the army. But what did David do? David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed uh, the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. Watch this. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. Please, don't miss that last thing. David stayed in Jerusalem. David was not supposed to tarry in Jerusalem. David was supposed to engage. Everyone say engage. David was supposed to engage, rather he disengaged. David should be praying, but he wasn't praying. Come on now, David should be engaged in this battle. David should be engaged in this spiritual warfare. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in our places. Listen, the Bible says that we wrestle. But not against human beings. But we wrestle. When David was supposed to engage, David, David disengaged. If you are not in the spirit, you are in the flesh. Period. Are you listening to me? If you are not praying, you are weak and you become an easy target. Look at Goliath, the giant, couldn't hurt David. Couldn't. There was nothing he could do to David. This singular act was the thing that messed up David's life. Because when he should have engaged... He did not engage. We live in a spiritual world, my friends. You're listening to what I'm telling you. You've got to engage in the spirit all the time. You cannot disengage. We don't go on vacation. When it comes to dealing with spiritual things. The day you go on vacation, that might be your last. You stay in the spirit. You stay prayerful. 
You stay in the word of God. The devil is roaming around like a roaring lion looking for whom he might devour. Please, don't be his prey. David would not think, listen now, David would not have thought this singular act of not engaging was going to destroy his life. He wouldn't have thought about it. I mean, it was so terrible when you read the account and you discover the things that began to unfold in the life of David and the family of David. It, it just surprises you. This is a man of God. This is a man that was after God's heart. This is a man that God chose. God chose him. God chose him. When God told Samuel to go to the house of Jesse, God said, I've found for myself a king. He was not the people's choice. Nobody voted him in. It was not democracy. God chose David. Can someone say God chose David? God chose David. God said, I found for myself a king. Now go to the house of Jesse, fill your horn with oil, and go there, for I have found myself a king, and I want you to go anoint him. Samuel said, but if Saul hears about this, Saul's going to kill me. Well, I'll give you a strategy. Go with this strategy. So he goes to the house of Jesse, and they line up the sons of Jesse. And here comes Eliab. The big one, the macho man. He walks in and he walks by Samuel and God said, I've rejected him. This is not the one. Here comes the second. Here comes the third. Here comes the fourth. Here comes the fifth. Here comes the sixth. Here comes the seventh. All of them came. And God said, I have rejected. These are not the ones. So now Samuel the prophet is, Lord, what you told me. Just imagine and so he says to Jesse, don't you have another son? Ah, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. S Prophet, I'm sorry. We have, there is one more. Okay, this one is in the field, is looking after the sheep. Some Prophet Samuel said, nobody will sit down until the boy comes. Come on now, say amen. Hallelujah. Nobody, nobody sits, nobody eats. Until he comes. Hey my God. Hallelujah. When it is time for God to announce you. People are not going to be sitting. People, <laughs> people will not sit. God will say nobody sit until my, my man walks in. Nobody sit until my woman walks in. Can someone shout hallelujah. hallelujah. And so here come. Yeah, 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 yeah. When it's time for you to be announced by God. That's how it happens. They're going to roll out the red carpet before you. Yeah. And my God, here comes David. The Bible gives a description of the boy. He was 17. And he comes in. The moment he walks into the house, the voice of the Lord came to prophet Samuel and said, that is him, anoint him. He's the one, that's the one. Come on now, say amen. amen. You know, God, God don't need you to tell him who to choose. God don't need to negotiate with people. God will choose who he wants amen. to carry out his work. Amen. Can someone say amen? amen? But do you see the awesome, awesome life and story of David? How God chose him? How God had a plan for his life? 
I was watching Jesse Duplantis' um, um, uh, story. I don't know if you guys, you guys have seen it when he said he went to heaven and the Lord showed him so many things. And he said he saw King David. And King David told him, don't make the mistakes that I made. Don't make the mistakes that I made. He said, I looked at him and I can tell. He said, Jesus told him, Jesus told Jesse, he said, let me come, let me introduce you to another king. So Jesus refers to David as a king. He said, come, let me introduce you to another king. Come on now. And so Jesse had a moment with King David in heaven and King David told him, this is his personal story. I'm not telling you the Bible says. Um, <laughs> but he said, David told him, don't make the mistakes that I made. When he failed to engage, Joab and the army were out there fighting. One day the Lord showed me what physical war in the Old Testament means today. Back in the Old Testament, they fought physically. Under the New Testament, we don't. We fight spiritually. We wrestle not, but we wrestle. Back then, they wrestled with flesh and blood. But today, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in our places. We wrestle. It will be wrong for you to disengage, my friends. Every waking moment you engage. Come on now, say amen. amen. Fill your life with prayer. Fill your life with the word of God. Amen. Stay on top of your game spiritually. So that you do not become a piece of loaf of bread to the enemy. So, so now the army is fighting and David is at home relaxing. <laughs> you want to be a leader in the body of Christ? You want to be a leader in the church particularly? Listen, I've come to the point where I understand that the pastor sets the spiritual temperature of the church. If you want to be a leader in the church, you've got, you've got to be on top of your own game. When I called for the four day of prayer and fasting, I was fasting. You fast, you guys go and fast. No, no, I have to lead it. And every day I was up here leading it, every day. Every day. Because you cannot afford to disengage. You can. You've got to lead it, you've got to be there. You've got to engage. You've got to be a part of it. Come on now, say amen. amen. Read your Bibles, guys. Read your Bibles, but you don't read your own. Pray, pray, but you don't pray. What kind of a leadership is that? I'm talking about the pastoral leadership or the ministerial leadership. What of leadership in the family? 
What's, what of the leadership in the family? Where husbands send their wives and kids to church. They stay at home and watch uh, Champions League. They don't play Champions League on Sunday. They play it on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So they say, go, go to church. Uh, there, is a, there is a big game tonight. Oh, but Pastor God, will, it's just one day. Champions League is not played every day of the year. Cut me some slack. That day, you, wanna, you want some rest, might be the day. That's what David, David, oh, David said, hey, you guys go play Champions League. I want to watch, stay at home and, and do something else. You guys engage because go play the game. Let me stay at home and do something else. So he was at home and he climbed up to the top of his palace and he looked and kept looking. Now, when you look, remove your eyes. No, because the first time he looked, it was by mis but he didn't know that. It was not an intentional thing. So he didn't do it on purpose. So given. That was not done on purpose. But when you look, but you keep looking, now you're getting the trouble. And some people, they look. And they keep looking. <laughs> That's true. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. First time. Okay. Blood of Jesus. Kaleko Trabadasata. Negedebo Seprande Lebe. Okay. Yegedebo Paleketo Nande. Begin to pray in tongues. Maketo Bravate Nobro. Ah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Switch into the spirit. Switch. Come on now, switch into the spirit. Mate Pradas, Repopela, Pradita Maleke Talaba. That is not going to be a picture in my mind. In the mighty name of Jesus. I'm teaching you how to have victory. Because yes. some people are still falling into this stuff. And they wonder, why can't I have victory? Because you don't know how to have victory. Yes, he climbed up the palace and he looked. And there she was. I wonder why she was bathing in public. Maybe it was not public. Maybe it was that kind of, you know, you know this is, think about, think about this. this. This could be the way it was. This is a, the plexiglass and, of course, all dark. Nobody could see through. But it was not covered on top. So David had bird's eye view. You know bird's eye view, right? So when he was up there, he could see. Okay, you've sinned. Get back in the spirit. But no, he did not. He was, <laughs> he was still watching. And David planned this thing out. Oh my God. He said, go find out who that woman is. And bring her. And they did. And now the woman's pregnant. So when David saw that the woman was pregnant, David said, okay, I need to cover this sin. Let me cover this. Um, who is her husband? Um, they told David. 
I said, okay. Mm. Go bring him. Bring, bring him. No, he's fighting. He's fighting the lost battle. Bring him here. So they bring the husband. And David said to him, um, go home. Go and rest. The man said to himself, my Lord, the ark of God, it's out there in the battleground. My Lord, Joab, is out there fighting. How can I go home? Go, go home. And gave it, David gave him drink to drink. He, he, he was drinking. David thought he was, was going to get drunk and then finally go home and be with his wife. But he didn't go home. So he goes, I mean, the man was still in his right mind. He, he, he couldn't see himself going home when there was a battle going, going on. So he goes and he sleeps somewhere else. The next day, David realized that he didn't go home. David said, my plan is ruined. This man is not walking according to my plan. Now what shall I do? Okay, come. He writes a letter and seals it. How dare you read the letter of a king? You cannot. Give it to Joab when you get back to the battleground. So he takes his own death warrant. Yeah, he didn't know. In it was written. Put him in the hottest part of the, of the battle. And when the enemies come against him, you retrieve. Let him fight alone. That was from a man of God. Listen to me. You can speak in tongues until fire starts coming out of your ears and your eyes. The day you disengage might be the last day you speak in tongues. How are the mighty fallen? Because the mighty might fall if they don't watch it. Just be sober, be vigilant for your adversary. Who's an adversary? The word adversary there means your opponent. Your opponent, your adversary, the devil, walked about seeking whom he might devour. Can I tell you, that was not written to unbelievers. It was written to the church. So who is the devil looking for? For me and for you. That's what about babies. Be sober, be vigilant. Let the one who thinks he stands, let him take heed lest he would fall. Here is a man of God. Here is an anointed king. Here is a prophet. David was a king and a prophet. You know that, right? David was a king and a prophet. Here is a prophet. Wrote the death warrant of one of his men because he has slept with his wife. Why don't you come clean with your sin? Until you repent. Listen to what sin does to people. If you don't repent from this, it will cost you to do the next. Because it, you will keep piling sin upon sin. Until you repent from this, you cannot have the victory over the next. <laughs> so he takes his death warrant, he gives it to Joab, and Joab reads it. Okay, boss, let's do it. Because the Bible says where the word of a king is, there's what? Power. So David has spoken. You must obey. So they put Uriah. Right there. And that's so fighting. Now, David, uh, Joab, of course, had to reposition him. 
as David instructed. So now, Uriah is fighting, fighting. And when the enemies came, Joab said, come on, retrieve, guys. They retrieved, and they killed him. He writes a letter to David, Joab. David reads it. David writes a letter to him and says, okay, go on, keep fighting. It's a war. One dies, and another lives. About nine months later, I want to say nine months later. Nine. Hey, this sin, man. <laughs> this sin. The Bible says your sin shall find you out. So, <laughs> so this sin is now, it seemed as if it's the hitting, right? Good. So, so David has done everything he could to hide it. And God speaks to Nathan. Nathan was a prophet. Hey, Nathan, I want to reveal something to you. This is something your king has done. Now go to him. So Nathan goes to King David, and Nathan poses a parable to David. And David said, he that has done it must pay four, four times. Hey. Nathan said, you've judged yourself. Oh, king, you are the one that's done it. And by the word of your mouth, you've judged yourself. Don't be quick to speak. Think first. <laughs> think. Tell somebody, think first. Don't be quick. Don't be quick. You might be the one they're talking about. And you think they're talking about your friend or your enemy. Don't be quick to speak. Think first. By your own words, you shall be judged. David fell and said, I have sinned. And Nathan said, and God has taken it away. When did God take it away? When he said, I have sinned. Because if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just. The Bible says in the Amplified Version in 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, according to his nature, to forgive your sins. And to continuously cleanse you from all sin. It says it's a nature in God. He cannot hold, hold it. He, the moment you say it, it's over. Amen. But you've got to say it. Yes. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But he that confesseth and forsaketh them shall obtain mercy. So David said, I've sinned. And Nathan said, God has washed, taking it away. And the child was born. But, but Nathan went on to say, what you've done will definitely attract consequences. What you did, you did in private. But what God would do, he shall do in public. This is one of the ways you deal with uh, public sin. Sometimes people don't realize it. We, we see that in this story, and you also see it in the book of 1 Corinthians. This is not just an Old Testament, New Testament phenomenon. You see it in the story of David, and you also see it in when you study the lives of the people of Israel, as they would mess up publicly, they had to be dealt with publicly. And then you see it in the book of 1 Corinthians when Paul said to, 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 the church, to the church at Corinth, is there nobody amongst you that can deal with that? 
that a young man amongst you is messing up and doing that and nobody does anything about it. The next time you meet and the presence of God and my spirit is with you, give him to the devil. Give him to the devil, yeah, give him to the devil. Perhaps his soul or his spirit will be saved. So give him to the devil. Let the devil torment the body. And let's hope that there can be repentance. So, so Nathan said, because of what you've done, uh, what you've done was done in private, but God shall do it uh, uh, publicly. So, publicly. And so, that was dealt with publicly. And just all kinds of chaos, confusion was released in the house of David. Amnon, his son, begins to fall in love with his own sister Tamar and he says so he says go bring me my sister I'm sick let her come and feed me Tamar comes in and Amnon tells everyone to leave my sister I have fever can you put the food in my mouth he was lying he was lying. Yeah, Tamar comes close, and, and Amnon grabs her and sexually abuses her. And then, watch this. When he was done, he hates her. Hey, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Hey, you said you love this girl. The moment you had your way with her, you hate her. What's wrong with you? Because what you called love was not love. Love don't take what does not belong to him. Love don't take, don't take what does not belong to her. You see, when you take it, what you called love changes to hate. Because it wasn't love in the first place. Because love don't take. Love gives. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> He hates her. And Tamar was so ashamed. She said, you've done me worse now than what you did. This is even worse than the rape. This is worse. To treat me like this, King, get out of my house. You stupid girl. Don't want to have anything to do with you ever again. Well, why? Well, because it was not love. It was L-U-S-T. And lust is defined, go study up that word in your dictionary, is defined as excessive desire to have what does not belong to you. That's what it is. So Tamar goes home. This thing is made public to King David. And watch this. King David didn't do anything about it. Listen. When your child comes to you and says, Daddy, Mommy, this is what someone did to me. You're supposed to do something about it, right? When, I, when someone comes to me or if someone comes to me and says, Pastor, this is what someone did to me. Promi I promise you, I'm not a ceremonial pastor. I'm a very active one. Amen. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to get in your face. Amen. I will get in your face. I'm going to get in your face. 
And we shall, we shall sort some things out. We're not going to be spineless in the ministry. Come on now. David did nothing. You know what? Even as I speak, I begin to think, why didn't David do anything? Maybe his sin was actually uh, making him feel guilty. The stuff he did. How can I now go correct my son when he, he also knows what I did? Oh, that's where leadership loses leverage. That's where leadership loses its voice. You can't tell me when you did the same thing. Oh, yeah. That's where leadership loses. That's where Christian loses his testimony. So David kept quiet. And watch this. Two years. I want to say two years. Two years went by. And Absalom, the brother of Tamar, was boiling like a, like a raging volcano. How can my half-brother do this to my own sister and my father is mute? Something must be done. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. So he took, he took matters into his own hands. And so he says, hey guys, I want to, I want to call for a celebration. And he invites Amnon. And he invites other brothers. And he rose up. And he killed his own brother. It was not enough. It was not over. He was not just going to kill Amnon and stop. He was going to take the kingdom from his father. Sometimes people don't understand why Absalom wanted to take the kingdom. Absalom wanted to take the kingdom because of what David did. The moment he entered into that, it changed the course of his life. And all kinds of evil was released in his family. So he, he, he has lost a daughter. Don't forget she was a princess, right? And back in those days, princess should be untouched. The moment they are touched, they are ostracized. He has lost a daughter. Now he has lost Amnon, a son. He has also lost a son, Absalom. So Absalom connives with Ahitophel. The Bible says that when Ahitophel spoke to you, he spoke like, the gods. The counsel of Ahitophel would come as if God spoke to you. So when David heard that Absalom was after him, he didn't really panic much, but when he heard that Ahitophel was with him, the Bible said David trembled. And David was literally, literally kicked out of his kingdom. And as he was leaving, he prayed, Oh God, just one prayer. Confuse. I want to say confuse. <laughs> confuse the counsel of Ahitophel. And God heard his prayer. See, so God is still merciful. Amen. God is still merciful. Amen. God is still merciful. Amen. Cut a long story short. <laughs> now, the army of David goes after Absalom and his army. Well, David, please, Joab, please. Leave the boy. Don't kill him. It's hard, man. It was still a fight. Don't touch the boy. And Joab didn't listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> and when David heard that Absalom was dead, he cried. 
He cried. And, and Joab was so angry. You cry? Oh, now I know you love your enemies more than you. Uh, you love your enemies and you, you hate your friends. How dare you cry? And Joab was so upset with King David. What a life. So here is a man who Goliath couldn't kill. Here is a man who had great, 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 great potential. Great capacity. Anybody getting anything today? Yes. Dealing with your worst enemy. And most of the time, your worst enemy is me. I'll finish with this one. In Exodus 3, Moses sees the burning bush. He goes up to the mountain. God appears to him out of the burning bush. God said, take off your shoes. The place on which you stand is holy ground. And God speaks to Moses. God sends Moses back to Egypt. And Moses stands before Pharaoh and speaks to Pharaoh. Thus said the Lord, let my people go. Moses was so bold to confront Pharaoh and the magicians of Egypt. Exodus 7, 1 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh. Oh my God. I've made thee a God to Pharaoh. Exodus eleven three, And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. He was a great man. So the Egyptians couldn't hurt him. Come on. But something hurt Moses badly. His anger. Oh, you don't want to see some people get upset. Oh my God. Oh my God. And I'm telling you, hey, listen, if you don't deal with that, it will deal with you. It will ruin relationships. It will destroy your relationships. I'm telling you. You've got to get rid of that. Look at Exodus 32. It came to pass as soon as he came nigh unto the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing and Moses' anger waxed hot. Some people have that kind of anger. The Moses' anger waxed hot. They have this hot thing, this, this anger. And he cast the tables out of his hand and break them beneath the mouth. Moses was the first man to break the law. <laughs> he came down with the Ten Commandments and he broke them. He was the first. Because of his anger. Numbers 20. Look at Numbers 20. 11 and 12. And Moses lifted up his hand and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because you believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. One mistake. The anger. God told him, speak to the rock. The rock will give you water. But he got there. These people, I will show them. And he struck the rock. Now, watch this. 
The striking of the rock is not the reason why God said you wouldn't enter. God said speak. But he didn't speak. Rather he struck. It was disobedience. Because. Notice we're reading numbers. But in Exodus he had struck the rock before. And the rock gave them water to drink. So it's not the striking of the rock. But the striking of the rock was also significant. Because he struck in this case he struck twice. Not once. But how many of you know that in uh, 1 Corinthians 10. The Bible tells us that the rock was Christ. Uh huh. It was Christ that was with them. The rock Christ was giving water to them. It was significant that he struck once, not twice, because Christ was struck once. The sacrifice was a one-time thing, not a two-time thing. So when Moses, you are, you are defeating the plan of God. Christ will be struck once. That was a prophetic thing. Strike, speak to the rock, but he struck twice. He had struck before, you don't need to strike again. Just speak. The first time he struck once, which was in conformity to the plan of God. Second time, just speak, not strike. But he didn't speak, rather he struck. And God said for this, you want to change my plan. You're giving them a wrong message. You are distorting my, my purpose. I mean, if you can see that. You can't strike my son twice. You're not going to enter. Why did he strike? His anger. Hmm. The anger, I believe this is, this is anger that was not dealt with. I'll finish with this. This is anger that was not dealt with. What you don't deal with will deal with you. I don't care how. Listen, you hear stories of people, boom, they fall. You've got to deal with that. You've got to deal with that attitude. But I mean, if you remember that Moses was from the, was from the tribe of Levi. He was from the tribe of Levi. It just seemed as a generational thing that's happening here. And we dealt with generational stuff in our prayer and fasting. But Levi, think about Levi, the, 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 the ancestor of Moses, actually the father of the Levites, right? One of the 12 sons of Jacob. He and his brother, Simeon, <laughs> killed uh, the Shechemites. Remember, remember the story? When Shechem, the prince of the Shechemites, raped their sister. And they took matters into their own hands. And they told them, we want all the men circumcised. And when they were circumcised, Simeon and Levi went in amongst them and killed all of them. And Jacob trembled. And God said, okay, you guys need to leave here right now. Is that correct? Remember the story? And Jacob, their father, never forgot that. Because when you come over to Genesis 49, before Jacob died, Jacob cursed their anger. He says, Simeon and Levi, instruments of wickedness. Cursed be your anger. He cursed that. Now Moses picked that up. <laughs> picked it up. Picked that up. You, you've, you've got to deal with stuff that your father or your grandfather couldn't deal with. I'm preaching now. Say amen. amen. And these are some of the things that I talked about. Is this possible? Absolutely possible. Absolutely possible. That's why we dealt with stuff like that for three days. Amen. And that anger stopped him. 
What is it that's going to stop you? The blood of Jesus Christ has been shed. The sacrifice has been made available to us. And you can come and receive what Jesus did. And be empowered to deal with what your fathers, your father's fathers could not deal with. You're going to say, enough is enough. What happened in them would not happen to me. What they couldn't defeat, I defeat by the power of the Holy Ghost. By the blood of Jesus. Can someone shout hallelujah? Hallelujah.